Church polity. That is the topic that we are diving into today, I'm sure. You, everyone knows I don't exactly think politics has means. any place in the church. Well, we're going to talk about uh, church polity, and we'll, oh. we'll, we'll define that. We'll open that up. Uh, I hope somebody else is defining it. I don't. I'm defining okay, it, not good. you. I don't have a clue. You I don't have a clue. I was like, I don't have it's a clue. not me today. I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> a good definition of church polity, as, we, as we're going to guide our conversation here, it can be defined as church government of the local church, Ooh. how a church is structured and governed. Um, uh, in that, there are some differences, whether that is... Are we a democracy? Elder-led congregationalists, which I believe we would hold to, um, or an elder-led, a pastor-led church. So, um, But it is generally defined as an organization of governmental structure within the local church is how uh, Millard Erickson would define Ooh, it. Yeah, Millard Erickson. Mm-hmm. Old Millard, he's a good one. Yeah, I got his systematic theology. It goes way back. But, uh, well, you go way back, so that is, <laughs> yeah. that is good. Me and Millard goes yeah. way back. <laughs> the <laughs> name Millard goes way back. It does. I don't That's an know old a lot school of, name. It's I don't not know in baby a lot of Millards. No. I know some Willards. I know yeah, Willard. most of the Willards I know too. I mean, this won't cost you anything extra for our listeners, but uh, most Willards and Millards. Well, I know I only know that I just know Millard Erickson, which who I don't personally know, had great mustaches. <laughs> and speaking of mustaches, they seem Willard. to be making a comeback uh, in 2020. They are more and more in the yeah. younger generation mm-hmm. is wanting to bring. And well, I'm going back to the 70s. That. I am for a good 70s. mustache. Uh, Magnum PI. Yeah, mm. sure. Absolutely. So, anywho, uh, church polity and mustaches uh, probably the topic of discussion That's here good. today. Yeah, you get more than what you thought you were listening for. But there's different elements of our government within the church, different offices that we have, uh, two major offices, and so we want to define those. Um, I think you had that in your ordination. <laughs> I would hope every uh, pastor would, would be able to define those. Yes, I, I, I think this. when I was ordained, uh, I knew there was many offices. Yeah. Uh, there was all kind. There was the janitor's office. Yeah. There was the secretary's <laughs> office. It's a good thing you've got a smart wife. Yeah. I, it does make me question <laughs> ordination and those who approved it. <laughs> but uh, at that point in my young life, uh, it was uh, definitely an uh, interesting time. But there are two offices of elder and deacon. So, mm-hmm. uh, Tony, uh, do, uh, do share a little bit about the office of elder. The office of elder, yes. You know, when, you, when you're talking about uh, the role of, of elder, pastor, bishop, um, you know, this is where a lot of different denominations and who are truly brothers in Christ, uh, we differ a little bit on uh, on the roles and and, and um, how these offices should, what they should look like uh, in the local church. Between the yeah, three that's, that's not, the that's yeah. the biggie. You we, know, we hold that they're synonymous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is that is a biggie, and, and even denominations arrive their name. You know, from this particular issue, uh, the word elder, uh, presbyteros, uh, Presbyterian, you hear it in there. Uh, the word bishop, episkopos, episcopalian. Uh, you, you see that this is an issue that has helped define uh, doctrinal distinctives among denominations. And um, all of these terms are, are used in Scripture, and all these terms... Um, 
again, are outlining for us uh, leadership within the local church. And, um, but like, like we typically do in, as denominations, we gravitate uh, to, to just one or the other to the neglect of, of the whole. And so we divide it up in, in pies and, and we say, and so to, for growing up Baptist, to hear the word elder was foreign to me. But then I then I begin to study bishop, the New Testament. When I think of bishop, I think of somebody with that with like a pointy hat on. Yeah, yeah, or playing, something. Yeah, playing chess. Um, I'm committed so to I, call you bishop yeah, from now on. That's fine. Just for I, you to know. Call me whatever you want. Yeah. You've called me worse. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, growing up, growing up in a in a, a country rural Southern Baptist church, um, we didn't refer to our pastor at all as elder. We didn't view him as elder because that's what Presbyterians had elders. We we were Baptists. We had pastors, but um, I I think as you've already already said. What the New Testament does, it uses these terms interchangeably. And so what you do have is you have the three functions of one office. Mm-hmm. And I think you have this most clearly seen in, in Peter, in First Peter 5, where in verses 1 and 2 he says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, so as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd, that's the word pastor, the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, that's the word bishop, you know, and uh, and not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. And so, you know, as he's describing this, this this one um, office of the church can, can be referred to as elder, pastor, bishop, but it describes function. It describes the fact that the role um, is to be, uh, as pastor, shepherding the congregation. And I, it's always been amazing to me that of all the terms that is used, we as Baptists selected pastor, which is used the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without question, the yeah. term that is used most is elders. Mm-hmm. And Another thing I think we typically got wrong as Baptists is that we believed in a single yes. uh, pastor, not single as unmarried, but a, a one, that there was one pastor. Overall and, local church. Yeah, and so yeah. Um, this, did, this did some things, I think, that, that are not real healthy hmm. because there was not a plurality, which the Bible is instructing in the churches, you know, Paul would encourage them to, uh, and would appoint elders, plural, before he would move on to the next church plant, you know. Mm-hmm. So he, he made sure that there was a plurality of leadership. Yeah. Uh, what we gravita- gravitated to in, in Southern Baptist life is the, the, the senior pastor, and, uh, and he's the, the one leader of the church, and um, and then because he's not equipping and bringing along others, he, he doesn't have a, there's not a plurality of leadership, then when that pastor then dies or that pastor retires or resigns, there's a void of leadership. And then what happened was the, the, the deacons who are to be uh, in a servant position had to take on a ruling position yeah. to fill the void because... 
It's absolutely amazing. I, I can remember looking back at the history of the first church I pastored. They changed pastors every year, and sometimes there was years they had three different pastors in one year. Well, sometimes you need to do that. Just in case. Well, it was it was common. On who's coming? It was common practice <laughs> in those days to have an annual call, mm. and so the pastor was up for like reelection every year. So mm. there was an annual call. Mm. You better not so make pastors, anybody upset. That's why. And so pastors were constantly revolving. I'd have been out. And out of a void of leadership, mm -hmm. then the role of deacon became a deacon board yeah. that became more ruling. But it was out of necessity because they had they had a flawed structure that mm -hmm. was causing a revolving door mm -hmm. at the pastorate. And so uh, the, the only constant leadership they had was the deacons, mm -hmm. you know. And so these roles got reversed. But without question... You know, in Scripture, uh, there is to be a, a sharing of this uh, responsibility of leadership, a plurality, and it's to be engaged in shepherding, which is feeding and protecting the flock of God, yes. bishoping, giving oversight to all of the work of the church. Doesn't mean the pastor does the work. That's another thing that we messed up. Mm -hmm. Is when we started making this great distinction between the clergy and the laity mm -hmm. and between full-time vocational ministry. And so we pay somebody to do that. Um, those are foreign to the scriptures, mm -hmm. you know, so we have that. He's to give oversight. He's to equip the saints, but he's not to be doing the work of the saints. Mm -hmm. The saints are to be mm -hmm. doing that. Mm -hmm. He's to be equipping. And, um, and so when you think about all of those functions and the elder Again, being uh, a man of spiritual maturity and leading by example, you, you have, I think, uh, all of these functions rolled into one office, which may be referred to as pastor, may be referred to as elder or bishop, mm -hmm. but without question, the Bible uses them interchangeably. Yeah. And the bigger deal, I think, is the fact that we're not doing a great job of sharing that responsibility and leadership so that no one person is a dictator, no one person has all the weight and the responsibility. And when that person dies, there's not a void, but there's mm -hmm. people being raised up. That's the real missing piece. And that's why so many of our, our smaller Baptist churches are struggling is because they only have the one pastor, and he's not bringing along anyone. He's not equipping anyone, mm -hmm. and they're not allowing that. They're not functioning that way, mm -hmm. sharing again. Um, and yeah, even I when you have a staff, even when you have staff, the average Baptists are so conditioned that they don't view even staff members as the pastor. Mm -hmm. We're all, all three of us are pastors of this church, and but it it, it takes a reorienting of people's thinking yeah. to see that we're all, all pastors with different functions yeah. within the body of oversight yes. to different yeah. ministries. Right. And before we move on and just to stay here for a moment, this is important uh, in understanding the, the, uh, the, the different terms, the different names uh, and functions, because it, it informs our, our government Mm -hmm. um, the different forms of government in the local church. So not just Baptists, but, you know, the Episcopalians, Presbyterians, the different how they function uh, in their structure of government. Mm -hmm. 
And so, as I mentioned earlier, we, we hold to an elder-led congregationalist, what we see in the scriptures, but there are other biblical governments that are permissible in an elder yeah. rule. So the elders uh, give uh, the final authority uh, belongs to them as right. opposed to the congregation. We would hold to... And the problem is this. The, the problem is with not, the, not the form of the government, but it is, again, the people. Right. Yeah. There, there is abuses in every form Everyone, of church. Everyone, yes. And yeah. there's pluses and minuses and there's weaknesses. That's because all of the positions, no matter what form of government you hold, all of them are being held by flawed, sinful man. Mm-hmm. Right. Redeemed, hopefully, yeah. but, but still a work in process. And so there's not going to be a perfect church government or, uh, or form of it. Sure until we all are in the likeness of Christ, mm-hmm. you know. I would agree, and that, that's an important, important fact to note. But I just wanted for, for folks that are listening to understand that there are different forms right. um, that aren't necessarily unbiblical. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about Episcopalians have uh, a, a bishop who gives oversight to multiple. We see that in the scriptures. Yeah. You know, when John, John evidently was the bishop of the seven churches of Asia Minor. Yeah. You know, they're, they're of course, we're talking about apostles now. Right. You know, that, with apostolic, that, that's different. Yeah. But there, there's not uh, the kind of hierarchy that we see in the Roman Catholic Church in Scripture. Mm-hmm. But there is um, oversight so that a Paul could appoint a Timothy or a Titus mm-hmm. to a certain place yeah. and say, you know, uh, ordain elders there and, sure. and lead yeah. in that place. Absolutely. And we would yeah. argue that that doesn't, uh, that's not something that we can say is prescribed to no. continue right. uh, because that apostolic yeah. office yeah. has... Uh, There's a lot of things the apostles did that we that can't are not, do. That we can't do. No, we that's can't right. do and we don't need to try to do. I don't speak with apostolic authority. That's right. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and obviously we're under, is that the Peter passage you, you shared, First Peter 5, uh, we're, under, um, we're under the chief shepherd uh, yeah. who will appear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, you read on, and not yeah. lording over those allotted yeah, yeah, to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Mm. And when the chief shepherd appears, right. you shall receive the unfading crown of glory. Sure. And, you know, regardless of what uh, the church calls its leadership, whether they're referring to him as a pastor or referring to him as elder or bishop, mm-hmm. he needs to remember, hey, he's not the chief shepherd. <laughs> sure, yeah. absolutely. And that, that is, uh, that's, a, that's important. So not only the office of, um, of elder, pastor, bishop, overseer, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the second office would be the office of deacon. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would be... The role of deacon, you want to define that a bit there? Yeah, Teacher. most of uh, the definition to the office co- just comes from the word itself, uh, diakonos. Uh, diakonia is a ministry, and so diakonos is uh, a minister, a servant. servant. Um, th- those two words carry that same uh, idea. And uh, the occasion for this office arising, it comes uh, to us in Acts chapter 6. Um, And so I'm going to read beginning in verse 1. It says, In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews, so that's the the Greek-speaking Jews, against the Hebraic Jews, 
that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So apparently there was too much ministry that mm. the apostles could not meet all the needs that were there. And so there uh, arose complaint, mm. some thinking that uh, because of my... Uh, complaint in a church. That's oh, a novel oh, thing. Oh, man, you, you mm. would have thought, right? <laughs> Um, but that's a spiritual gift, isn't it? <laughs> it is that it's one that's given to yeah. all? Gift of criticism. Yeah. Believers and, and non-believers. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the ethnic yeah. background of these Greek-speaking Jews, they, they thought that they were being overlooked right. um, because just not as much was, was, uh, needs were being met. So the 12 summoned the whole company of disciples. And so the whole church is gathering together on this issue. And this is going to be important for what we bring up yeah. next. And Pastor Zaz is going to tackle the role of the congregation. Right? The whole uh, of the company gathers together on this issue. And uh, the 12 apostles say, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. Um, but we will ourselves devote to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the occasion arose that there's too much ministry, too many needs, that the apostles cannot give themselves to all of them. And so people are being overlooked, their needs are not being met. Mm. And the solution is the creation of this office, which was done by the leadership of the Twelve, but the authority of the church as a whole, establishing this office... Um, as God has led them to this place. Um, and so they set aside seven men, uh, and, and those are the, the qualifications there, you know, having uh, a good reputation among the people. It's full of the spirit and wisdom so that we can appoint to the duty of meeting those daily needs. Mm-hmm. And, and here's why. This is a protection for the, the apostles devotion to prayer and ministry of the word that is the purpose and and i I will say the biggest critique of the church today is we're trying to do way too much that we do not protect our time in the word Mm -hmm. and so as a result you've got pastors who are are juggling all kinds of things Mm. and their their sermons come out half-baked because they did not spend as much time in, they're in the word, they're, they're microwaved, <laughs> yeah. and that's because the church has not seen to it that the pastor has enough support to be able to meet all the the needs that are there. They're Which are too much needs. for one person. Too much for yeah. one person. Too much for the twelve. They yeah, could not. Absolutely. They could not meet all the needs, and yeah. so you need the church to set aside people to take care of these needs, so that. The ministry of the word is protected because it's the word of God which promotes growth. And, and this is exactly what we see. Mm. So they set aside these men. And I'm just going to uh, jump down here to um, verse 7. It says this, So the word of God spread. This is the result. Mm. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. So because you have set aside these men to aid the apostles so that they're not spread too thin. They can devote themselves to the ministry of the word. And now, as a result of taking that step and protecting the ministry of the word, Mm -hmm. the word of God increased. That's what promotes the growth. Um, Sounds like a formula. 
It sounds like a formula. Sounds That's like right. God knew what he was doing. I think well, he does. You know, when, you look at, when you look at this context, divine wisdom mm -hmm. is all over this. Yes. Mm -hmm. The apostles did not say, oh, we have a problem. We will appoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being because these, uh, these leaders need to have a good reputation Among within and without. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows uh, you're on your best behavior when you're around the preacher. Yeah, when, yeah, you yeah. Know, so who knows the people best? The people. Yeah. So he gave the, the, the onus was on the congregation mm -hmm. to select people yes. who had these qualifications. And then the wisdom, when you look at the names that were selected, these are Greek names. Mm -hmm. Who was who was it that was being neglected? The the Greek speakers. Yeah, and yep. so they they made sure. So God is all over this thing, uh, and then it it says they in verse six they laid their hands upon them, you know, and, and again identifying this is the congregation yes. putting their approval mm -hmm. on these seven men to serve in this office. Yep. And I think because what they said pleased the whole gathering. Yeah, mm -hmm. this so is a text. There, for there again, you have congregation yeah. taking the ownership and the responsibility because the congregation could do it better than than, than just, just the, yes, the just the exactly. apostles. So we they know the people. We teed you up, good, Zad. Take you did. Over. You think about the role of the congregation. Uh, so, you know, obviously we've been breaking down the church. We were. We, just a refresher, the church is made up of who? Regenerate, uh, born-again believers. And so its membership uh, within the local body has responsibilities. And mm -hmm. just a quick, easy way to understand it, I'm a C-minus guy. Uh, we are to carry out one another's of Scripture mm -hmm. and to observe the two ordinances, which we, the past two uh, podcast episodes, we've talked about in baptism which you can think of as like the, the front door into the church, entrance into um, the church, and then the Lord's Supper is mm -hmm. kind of the back door as we look back, celebrate, uh, examine, worship the Lord, look forward to the marriage uh, supper of the Lamb, and we go out and do mm -hmm. the ministry, the work of ministry uh, within but also without in, in making disciples and, um, and evangelizing our neighborhood and the nations. Um, but there's, I wrote down some, a few things that, I, that I've read from different places, just what our role is as the congregation. Um, we see this all the way back in, um, I was there a while ago, Matthew 16, the confession that the church is built upon is that Christ is the son of the living God, as Peter makes in Matthew 16. Um, and he tells Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Mm. And you see it again in 18 and in We'll talk about that a little bit, uh, or maybe next episode. Next episode. Church discipline is to be done in the context um, of one to another, then two brothers, and mm -hmm. bring it before the church. Because we're in covenant with each other. Because yes. we have made covenant together mm -hmm. to carry out the one another's of Scripture right. and to pursue holiness and godliness. That is our main purpose, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so... Some of the roles, some of the, the role of a congregation is to faithfully attend the gatherings. We see this in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Uh, despite what Andy Stanley would say, uh, it is important that you come to church and it's commanded mm -hmm. that we not forsake did the assembly. Did you use his name? I did use his name. He oh, wow. who must not um, be named. And, and <laughs> as I've said, we observe the two ordinances. Uh, the congregation helps preserve the gospel 
as Paul is talking to yeah. the church at Galatia, how, how quickly you're turning to a different gospel. Mm -hmm. um, we help affirm gospel citizens, mm -hmm. you know, new kingdom um, citizens, and that we receive and dismiss members, which we'll talk mm -hmm. about later. Um, so this in, being the role of congregation is is there's a, it involves being known and knowing others. So there is biblical community that comes uh, and is built out of that. Um, to attend member meetings mm -hmm. as you discuss business of the church, whether it's finances, bringing in new members, as I said uh, just a minute ago, um, and, uh, and just the, the business of the church, discipling other church members, Ephesians 4, mm -hmm. uh, 15 and 16, sharing the gospel with our neighbors and outsiders, and, and 2 Timothy uh, 1 and 3 is following, submitting to the elders, the leaders of the church who are given care, also Hebrews, giving care and watch care over your souls. Mm -hmm. who we're going to give an account for the people that we shepherd. Yeah. And um, so that's the role of the congregation in kind of a brief nutshell. Not so to, the authority doesn't rest on us three here at this table. Absolutely not. We lead no. the congregation in, in the decisions that we make as a corporate body. Mm. The reason behind that is that we're a regenerate membership Everyone is, is indwelled by the same Holy That's Spirit. Right. Yes. And so everyone is able to be led by God individually and corporately right. to mm -hmm. make decisions as a local body that is yeah. pleasing to the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the reality is, you know, sometimes, again, growing up Baptist, we thought uh, that we were a democracy. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the reality is we're not a democracy. Uh, we are a theocracy. Yes. That, that we are under the rule Mm -hmm. of God and under the rule of the word of God. And so the church is not free to do whatever the majority wants to do. We're, yeah. we're free to do what the word of God mm -hmm. commands us to do mm -hmm. and as a congregation. And when, when you think about uh, as leaders, as being elder-led congregationalists, there are certain frustrations that come with that. Mm -hmm. There are times we'd love to be elder-ruled rather than elder-led. Mm -hmm. And there are times that the elder can lead in a way that, that is the will of God and a congregation can get it wrong mm -hmm. and the elder suffer along with the congregation. I mean, we just walked through Joshua and Joshua... Go back to Exodus. Yeah, and Joshua, man... His predecessor. Uh, when, when Joshua stood before the congregation of Israel and said... We can take this land. This mm -hmm. is the will of God. Mm -hmm. God has promised to give us this land. And they took a vote, and the vote was 10 to 2, and they lost. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Joshua and Caleb spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness with those people. Mm -hmm. They suffered because of the them majority. getting it wrong. Yeah. And so uh, th there's, again, there's not a perfect uh, church governing model, mm -hmm. but man, how important it is for every leader and every congregant, every, every member of the church to seek the face of God mm -hmm. about any decision that we're making yes. yeah, rather than just going, well, we're a herd of people. Yeah, I mean, if nothing, 2020 has revealed without question, we, we have a herd mentality yeah. and, and the media can run us whatever direction they want to run us. 
And the same thing can happen in a congregation. Mm. You, get a, you get two or three people that are very vocal and maybe far from the will of God, mm-hmm. but they can, they can stampede a whole group of people to make wrong decisions. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's why it's important for leaders and uh, the congregation to make sure we're seeking the face of God. That's right. You know? Because in the, the system or the form of government we hold to, the, the question of authority, where does authority lie? Well, obviously it's under the lordship of, the, of Christ, but it, the congregation then, we settle uh, the matters of discipline, mm-hmm. uh, doctrine, uh, um, personal dispute, and church membership. That, that lies within the role of the congregation, mm-hmm. and that's important. That's why, it's, that's why membership is so important. Yeah. That's why confession of Christ and pursuit of Christ in our lives uh, and in the life of the church is so uh, vital uh, for because we're making decisions that's going to reflect should reflect something yeah. <laughs> it should mm-hmm. reflect the gospel but it's going to reflect something so we want to be right on that so there's there's tons of implications what what are some implications that you guys would would well, for see me you know politics, ha- having grown up in church um, you know I I came to faith in Christ uh, 50 years ago uh, at the age of nine. And so uh, having been in church my whole life and having been a, you know, a pastor, a, a, an elder of the church for, for all these many years, I find that the greatest problems in my ministry or in my personal life have arisen when both myself and some well-meaning deacons forget that we're both servants. Mm-hmm. I think whenever power becomes an issue mm-hmm. and we're jockeying for who's got the power and the control, uh, whether that's, and it has been, I mean, I, I, I repent, but there's there's been times that I've had an ego trip and a, a power struggle. Mm-hmm. And there've been times, to be quite honest, that it's been a deacon who, who wanted to run the show. Uh, those have been, um, it's been because one or both has forgot we're a servant. Yeah. Man, we're servants of Jesus. Well, I think you've shared yeah. before, as and I may have it wrong, but it, it really is interchangeable. As, as elders, as pastors, uh, we're servant leaders, and mm-hmm. deacons are yeah. leading servants. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when we forget that, because yeah. um, it isn't a show, and it isn't our show, right, right. <laughs> uh, it is it is the... It's the yeah. It's yeah, the church of the Lord Jesus and Christ, it, right? And, and I think we have to be patient yeah. because there, there is a reason, you know, you take a young pastor who's coming out of seminary and he goes and pastors this, you know, historic little church somewhere, has a long history, and, uh, and, and he wants the, the, the deacons to understand what their role is, but they've had to function differently during the history of that church because... They've either had uh, a pastor that has been neglectful or the, the pastor has been a revolving door. And so somebody has to make decisions right. in the absence of the pastor. And so you got to be patient and, and educate and train and raise up deacons who understand that their primary role is not to determine how many rolls of toilet paper we buy this week mm-hmm. or make decisions or even rule over the staff and the pastors but they're to serve alongside. They are to help as an act six. 
to free us up. And, and man, you guys know around this table, we are a blessed staff uh, of elders who get to serve here at Broadway because I can remember the very first deacons meeting and they, the they, yeah, well, <laughs> no, the one before I even came. Oh, I got you. Yeah. I Sorry. met with them before I even came. Yeah. So uh, our listeners made I appreciate that, you bringing okay. that back up though. Uh, episode two. Yeah. Episode but reminding, two. you know, reminding me that they were not a board of elders yes. or a board of deacons, yeah. that they were not Sorry. ruling. Yeah. Words matter. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, so. Especially if they, they keep saw themselves green. as, as well, you brought servants. up a, a good point just to just to highlight on that or, or jump off of that is um, the moving patiently and slowly whether mm-hmm. you may be trying to change a form of government right uh, if in you're a church faster in a church um, yeah we can be idealistic through, yeah it comes through um, prayer and preaching. Mm-hmm. humility yeah. and getting to know the people, right. the mm-hmm. church, the history and understanding that you know things are not changed overnight but having expositional preaching and teaching, teaching of people. God's word yeah. is is fundamental. If you're not God in it change, for the if God you're not in it us. for the long haul, yeah. please don't get in it at all. That's right. Amen. I've seen so many churches that have just been destroyed by an eager guy who rolls in who's going to change everything in the first 6 months he's there. And uh, and about six months or a year is all he's there. Well, you're going to have some pushback when you try to change something that's been going one direction. And the congregation is 25% fewer in number. Yeah. He throws <laughs> everybody over. You, you take a... And then next thing you know, he's gone. Yeah. And then there's Take the people. wheel and spin it around, and you throw everybody overboard. Yeah. And then he's frustrated. They're frustrated. He's gone somewhere else. And he leaves a mess uh, yeah. for the church to clean up. And people are... you got to be in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I agree. These these guys who have a you know I'm going to be here five years and I'm going to move to this next level church and I'm going to be there ten years and now that's baloney. Well, Everywhere God places you, well there is you a need mentality to, out there. You it's need to have the own. intent that I'm going to be here until the Lord calls me away or takes mm-hmm. me home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, longevity. That's uh, yeah. commitment. Those are those are dinosaur that, things. Those are terms that uh, <laughs> are being lost. Uh, commitment. Yeah. Flakiness was a word that was used earlier. I used that earlier. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. won't go down that road right now. But yes, flakiness. Uh, I don't like flakes. I like cornflakes. But I want to do, do clarify one thing. In forty years of ministry, the dearest and sweetest relationships that I've had in every church have been with some of my deacons, mm-hmm. who were true deacons, mm-hmm. yep. who were. They had my back. Mm-hmm. They were there to make sure that I had my study time. They were there to safeguard my reputation. Mm-hmm. I can think of an old deacon when I was uh, the only staff person that when I'd have counseling, he would come and he would take trim off the wall and put it back on. Mm-hmm. He would just be in the hallway just so that he was protecting well, well, yeah. He was protecting his pastor. Mm-hmm. The sweetest awesome. relationships I've ever had have been with deacons. Yeah, praise the Lord. Well, we, we didn't really have that on our agenda but you know one thing to consider is how you know the selection process of deacons which we just yeah. uh, went through and, and one of the the cool things we did was had that ordination service in front of the whole congregation but um not to highlight that so much as you know we select men out of the the body that are already deaconing 
that are mm, already, yeah, already serving, serving families, yeah. that are already seeking to help yeah. meet needs. And, and who meet the qualifications and of 1 Timothy 3. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so you look for those men who are doing it. Do they meet the qualifications of that? Do way? their wives meet the qualifications too? Absolutely. And that's in the text as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, uh, and the same for elder. Yeah. There, are, there are men in, in countless churches who have gifting from the Lord in, uh, in teaching the scriptures, preaching the scriptures mm-hmm. um, that we also need to identify. Right. But as you said earlier, our thinking is so skewed on this, the, the, the terms right. uh, that we, we don't even, that's not even a category in many places. If it's not paid, then they're not a pastor. That's, that's and if the they're problem. not the yeah. main preaching pastor, then they're not a pastor. Right. Yeah. And we we that, have all that, these layers yeah. That, that the Bible doesn't have. Yeah, hierarchies yes, that, that are foreign yeah, to Scripture. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced that there were times in Paul's <laughs> ministry that he was fully supported, and there were times in Paul's ministry where he made tents, mm-hmm. and he would be what we call a bivocational, you know. Mm-hmm. But but he was still Paul the Apostle, regardless. Yeah. It yep. didn't diminish who he was. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, as far as um, implications go, I... I do agree that there are uh, within uh, the church different expressions of church polity, uh, and, and we can you know love and, uh, and appreciate what they're doing. But I, I do think I, I'm very much convinced of our elder-led congregationalism mm-hmm. from the scriptures, but also practically right. and how that has worked out, especially in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a wave of liberalism that swept through all of the evangelical Protestant mm-hmm. world. And every single denomination struggled with the right. new liberalized sect that has come mm-hmm. up within the denomination. Our Southern Baptist Conviction uh, Convention, mm-hmm. all the leadership within the convention, all the seminaries had gone uh, liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the most conservative flagship of our seminaries mm-hmm. uh, had... Uh, even though 90% of the people in the pew were, were still conservative. Were, were conservative, yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, most of the problems in the church, in seminaries, is not always the people. It's the, if there's, I've heard it, I think it was Vance Hafner. He's talking about preaching. But if there's fog in the pulpit, there's mist in the and pew. Mist in the pew, yeah. It's leadership. There's got yeah. to be pastors who. Well, I think the point that but, TJ was ahead, getting well, at cut, was, yeah. it was only because it, of congregationalism. That we were able to, that turn, able to turn, it turn back. No now, other denomination could do nope, that. No, the, the Presbyterian church had to uh, split. Um, and the uh, the conservatives had to move away from yeah. uh, the liberals, but we were able to because uh, we are congregational ruled, and we gather at the conven- convention, and each church has its number of messengers mm-hmm. to send. We were able to rally enough conservative, uh, and th- and the issue is something that we take for granted today: inerrancy. The issues in inerrancy that we actually believe the Bible. That was the the main issue. And then there were people teaching in the seminaries that denied the deity of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's because they they compromised on the authority of Scripture. Right. And so we're talking about if you get the Bible wrong, you get it all wrong. You get it all wrong. Yeah. To be lost. And so that was the main issue: is inerrancy. <laughs> yeah. So you had the inerrantists, those who believe that Scripture is God breathed and authoritative and not flawed. And then you had those who believed it was a product of man mm-hmm. and that we can do whatever we want. And then their theology went haywire. And uh, we were able to gain enough momentum, a grassroots movement within the convention, that we voted in uh, boards 
uh, that were occupied, the chairs were occupied by conservatives, mm-hmm. who then appointed when people you say as we, seminary. You, you know, you I was were, not there. You were not, not there. I was there. You were. I, were, I, were, I was were. in my SBC ancestors' loins, though, as <laughs> the author of Hebrews will say. Oh my word! Now we're talking about the was, fruit of the loins. Yeah. I, I actually was in those conventions. You were there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. how, how? What was it heated? Tell it me was about. Very it. Heated. I, I've read a, a lot He's about it. He's been around. I need to ask for the dinosaur about these things. Time. Yeah, you must consult. I mean, you're rolling right into a historical example. I am, and we got a. You're going to go beyond me, though. Right? I'm going beyond you. I, I try to each time so that you can't. Well, say, I was thinking. Well, I I knew the guy, right? Yeah. You may just yeah. in our. Uh, we yeah, we, we rode into guy. town on, on horses that, together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and yeah. Augustine, we hung. Yeah, yeah. With a horse with no we name. Is that yeah. a, no, that's a song. Is that no? Well, Anywho. Yeah. Um, the historical example that I wanted to bring, uh, just because uh, most people, when they hear this name, they think of just cold-hearted, um, scholastic theologian, uh, is the brother John Calvin. Mm. This brother, the more I've gotten to to know him through his writings. Please be careful. Yes, I am. <laughs> and but that's the thing is that people get put on edge when you hear the name, right? Mm. But that's the common uh, perception of him, just yep. from what people. They pick a few things out here and there. You're going to say John MacArthur for a minute. No, no, no. Um, he is old, though. That's <laughs> no, an old not. brother. I he's love a, that. He's a good love brother. Love that brother. <laughs> but uh, John Calvin's a second-generation reformer who exhibits a true pastor's heart. He does. He doesn't get any credit for it. He does not. But he, he was a good pastor. Um, and he was born in 1509. He's a Frenchman. And uh, he, he went to the University of Paris to study theology and law. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there he encountered Reformation teachings. Um, Martin Luther, I think, is like 25 or so years older than him, mm-hmm. and so it took a minute for uh, Zwingli and Luther's Reformational ideas to get to Paris, but when they did, Calvin was a student, and uh, one of his best buds preached a commencement service, and it was very uh, Reformational, and uh, uh, the, the, the Parliament of, of France uh, began persecuting the quote-unquote Lutherans that were within the university. And so uh, we, we know that Calvin was part of that bunch because he had to flee. Uh, he had to go into exile. Mm-hmm. In exile, he was discipled by uh, 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 an older brother who was a reformer, uh, Martin Booster. And uh, there uh, he began to uh, work on uh, some, some writing projects. He published uh, the Institutes, the first edition, mm-hmm. which the preface is addressed to King Francis the first, uh, uh, King of France, to mm-hmm. explain this is consistent with the scriptures, right. and you ought to find nothing uh, flawed here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had the, the the mentality, and I can resonate with him uh, because it's very appealing this kind of lifestyle. He wanted to go and live a nice, quiet life <laughs> as a writer, uh, and to uh, bless the church that way. Um, to do theological work, um, but God had other plans. On his way to Strasbourg, where he was going to um, uh, just sit down in a quiet life, um, he uh, was had to go through Geneva, and the reformer, the main reforming figure there, William Farrell, um, maybe he knew uh, of Calvin uh, from some of his works before, or maybe he just noticed that this this brother has a lot of potential. He challenged him, and he said, let God judge you if you do not stay here and, and help with this good work. Mm. And so Calvin felt convicted that the Lord wanted him to stay put. Mm. Um, so he began as a, uh, a, a teacher, 
uh, of the Holy Scriptures, of the sacred scriptures in the city of Geneva. But soon, within a few months, he was appointed as one of the three pastors in the city, uh, in one of the leading churches. And he began to uh, graciously um, influence change, but they had uh, leadership uh, within the city council that was stuck in their ways, and then they uh, eventually uh, bucked at the uh, reformational uh, attempts. And so they drove, they ran Calvin (laughs) out of town, they ran Pharrell out of town. And so Calvin goes on to Strasbourg, but now he's begun as a pastor, he can't go back now. So what mm-hmm. he does is he, he pastors some 500 uh, French exiles while teaching New Testament, while publishing, writing commentaries on the Bible, mm-hmm. but he, he maintains his well, pastoral ministry. The greatest theologians are pastors. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Because it, it, it gives a wholeness. It's oh, not man. all in the, in the sky. It's not all it's academic. Not theory. It's right. not all head. It's heart. Yes, you it gotta is. You've got to have both. Yeah. That's what's and, and here's probably the most telling thing here. So not only did he now have the opportunity to pursue just a nice, quiet life as a theologian. He couldn't turn back his pastoral ministry. Mm. But uh, a few years later, over three years later, the city of Geneva realized what they had done, that their gracious pastor who was leading them towards progress and change in God's ways, they needed him back. They were being persecuted within and without um, from Catholics and anti-Reformational figures. Mm. So they called him back, right? Calvin... He did not want to leave. He was their pastor. Mm-hmm. And so he still loved them. He left behind whatever uh, potential he might have had to gain his nice, quiet life and went back to the city, swallowed his pride. And the next Sunday, that, that very next Sunday that he preached, he picked up on the next Text. verse yeah. that he, he left, left off, off I love over it, yeah. three years before, yeah. committed to preaching the word. And so as a pastor, he also wanted to preaching. protect the ministry of the word and God used him uh, mm-hmm. for generations yeah. to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Praise yeah. the Lord. Amen. And that also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. committed to, to expositing the scriptures that three years away, he comes and just picks it right back where he was. Yeah. yeah. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Amen. Well, good discussion. Um, that's it for uh, this episode. Uh, next, uh, next time, we'll have a, a special guest. Um, and uh, looking forward to talking about how the church is covenantal, and uh, it'll be a good time together. So until the then... Former Presbyterian brother. Yeah. He would have been good today, Dad. You're giving away yeah. some of the... Well, you already told him last week who it was. we got to reveal but a little I, at a time. I spoke quickly. <laughs> Progressive, <laughs> Progressive revelation. That's hard to do when you name him. <laughs> Maybe they didn't hear what I said. <laughs> Most people don't remember what you I say. You. Have you heard I've, that? I've heard that, yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, God bless, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, talk to you soon.